Hello and welcome. My name is Taylor DeSormo. I'm Hi. here with Andrew Serma, our assistant sports editor. I'm the sports editor. This is Maroon and Bold. How's it going, Andrew? Good. How are you doing today? Pretty good. So we're going to be talking about all kinds of different CMU sports this semester. This is going to be our podcast weekly. Every week we're also going to be on Periscope, so check us out live right now. Hello, Periscope. So um, to start off, we're going to talk about a few different things. We're going to talk about the men's basketball team, Chris Fowler, what's going on with him. And talk about the women's basketball team and their performance this weekend. Crystal Bradford had some interesting things to say. She did. Definitely. She did. Um, and then just run through some of the scores from the events this weekend and kind of what we're looking ahead to. Also, some football recruiting news is coming out, so pay attention to that later in the show. Um, so to get started, uh, I'm just going to ask you, what did you think, Andrew? You were at the men's basketball right. game. What did you think of Chris Fowler? Well, I thought Chris had a good game uh, in terms of coming back. He was out for seven games, Taylor, so yeah. he, he needs to get back into the flow of Division One college basketball, and Kino talked about it in his press conference. I think we have a quote from it. Mm-hmm. Um, do, you want, do you want to play yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, I can play that in a second here. So just yeah. for a little background, uh, Chris Fowler. This he was, I think he was four for eleven in Saturday's game. Uh, CMU beat Ohio yeah. seventy-two forty-nine. Their best defensive showing of the year for the Chippewas against a very good Bobcat offense. Um, looking at Chris Fowler, he drove it to the lane numerous times, and that's kind of the old Chris Fowler that most people are used to from last season. Um, you look at his, his points, though, he had 11 points, which is not too bad, 4 for 11 shooting, 0 for 1 from the three-point line, and 3 for 3 from the free-throw line. Um, he played 38 minutes, so I think he's about having his legs under him in terms of playing a full game. What right? was he from the three-point line, did you say? Three-point line, 0 for 1. 0 I don't think he was okay. ever that great of a three-point shooter. No, though. that's never been a game. He's, yeah. he's a driver, he's a facilitator, mm-hmm. and I think if he goes out, drops 14, um, yeah. that's not his normal averages, mm-hmm. but that's... Anything you get from him points-wise right now, I think it's it's beneficial. And going forward, you hope to see that his averages grow. Um, but mm-hmm. just let him facilitate right now. Let, let him get the flow back. Yeah, I mean, if you're winning, it's good, right? Right. All right, so without further ado, here's the um, the recording from Keno Davis talking mm-hmm. about Fowler um, on Saturday. Chris wasn't at 100%. Where's he at now? Well, I think, you know, as I said that, uh, I don't mean necessarily that he wasn't at 100%. So much time that just your timing, um, you know, your shot, things like that, aren't at the same level that it was before. Uh, you know, he missed the the extended uh, amount of games. So uh, if he, he's he's probably not a hundred percent back, but uh, he's getting closer each and every day. So you're talking mentally then, kind of. No, I think just I think just the timing. I think when you you know you've had any kind of injury and you've been out, uh, we go every day or might have one day off a week, but Still an all-star, but maybe not the MVP for a few games. It's been more than a few games, though, now, Andrew. It's been 12 games. Do you buy it that it takes more than 12 games to be able to get your legs under you and get back in that rhythm? I think everyone's different, definitely. I think everyone comes back different. Chris Fowler is an an amazing athlete, Um, and I think his learning curve is a little bit faster than what other players might be. Mm -hmm. But still, 
he's human, and uh, he's kind of getting back into the flow of things. You know, what's promising is he had nine assists. Um, yeah. Nine assists, that's, he's a facilitator. Yeah. Um, what about you? Where, where, where do you think he's at? I think, I love what he's doing right now. He's driving to the net. He's yeah. putting up layups. He's getting past people. The last thing isn't working all the time for him, and that's just the ball falling through the hoop. Um, I think that just comes with repetitions. I don't know how many repetitions it's going to take. Um, it didn't take him 12 games to warm up last year. Granted, he is coming off an injury. He doesn't seem to be playing gingerly on his legs at all. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask is, do you think he's actually 100% uh, physically? He doesn't seem to be letting up any. I don't think, I think he would tell you the same thing, that he's going at it 100%. It's got to be in the back of your mind when you have a nagging injury that happens over and over um, that, that it could always happen. You never know what could happen. As hard as he plays, he dives for the ball. He, is, he, he puts it all on the line, and mm-hmm. that's what you have to love as a Chippewa fan. But... You never know when Chris Fowler's last game could be if he really just right. tweaks it up one more time. Do you think he's forcing anything right now because he knows this is his last time? He's a senior. He wants to go to the next level, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Do you think he's forcing himself to tough through injury? And do you think he's pressing it all to get back to his old Chris Fowler form um, to make a statement in his, in his senior year? I think he is. I mean, he's, he's pressing. I don't know if it's... It's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I think he maybe would be pressing just as much if he was a junior because he wants his team to win. He knows that, like, all right, this isn't a non-conference season anymore. This is where it really counts. Right. The Chippewas are, what, 10-9 and nine now? Yep, 10-9. and nine. I think three they only three had, the what, nine losses off last year, maybe even yeah. less. So when you look at that, you have to be thinking, all right, you guys have to get going. They're no longer, I don't think, the favorites anymore in this this MAC team. They're, they're still have a chance, as mm-hmm. a, uh, our opinion editor, Don Mastrangelo, wrote in his column, but – it's definitely not the Chippewas being the favorites, even though after beating Ohio and Akron, two of the better teams. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. One of the things that uh, Keno said in that press conference was, mm-hmm. anyone still in the MAC can win it at this point. Yeah. Uh, he's not ruling uh, his own team, but he, you know, anyone at this point can come in and take it. Um, who do we have coming up right here? We have yeah. Miami, Ohio. Miami, Ohio. When you look at the standings, too, I, you almost have to believe Keno. There's a lot of teams right there in the middle. Mm-hmm. The only team mm-hmm. that maybe it looks like they might already be eliminated is this Miami-Ohio team. They're, yeah. they're 0-5. Everyone else has at least a couple wins under their belt. So I think even though they're going on the road to play Miami, I think CMU has to take advantage on Tuesday night against against that Red Hawk team because then they come home for two more against a tough Kent State and tough Bowling Green team, but mm-hmm. their home games. CMU has been traditionally really good in home games. They've only lost one regulation game here um, in the past two years, and that was Eastern. So. The max schedule, they have so much more to go still. How many games do they have? They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah. Thirteen some games left to go in the MAC conference. Uh, they yep. have tons of time to make a move. I'm not worried at all. How do you feel about the Bigs play? Well, if if you just look at this these uh Duran Scott and Luke Meyer and John Simons even you could count. Yeah. Um they're maybe not at the level of, of some of the bigs in, in college basketball, but comparing what they were at last year and what they are this year, I was really encouraged by Saturday. Seeing them throw down numerous dunks, get some blocks, pull it, even post up a little bit was pretty impressive, I thought. Um, that's what you got to see more. If they're, I mean, they always say they're going to play what the defense gives them. So if the defense is guarding that three-point line, uh, they have to be able to go down inside and, and drive right. or post up. And I think Luke Meyer and Deron Scott are getting to that point where they're learning how to do that without fouling or without turning the ball over as much and get a good percentage shot down there. What did, what did you see out of them? Well, Antonio Campbell, uh, Ohio's big man is forward. He had 17 to- uh, points. Uh, let's see what else he had. He had a steal, 
17 total points, though. I'm not sure what he averages. I think it might be a little bit more than 17. Just a little less, but little he's, less, he's at actually. the top of the MAC in points and rebounds. Well, I think that they did what they needed to do against him. He's a large man, and uh, <laughs> he is. He's, he's not a small guy. <laughs> and I think that they definitely did. I think defense for them is the key. Uh, Deron Scott, his defensive minutes is going to be huge. Any offense he can gives you is just it's, it's a plus. Mm -hmm. um, any momentum shifts and all you big dunk. I mean that guy plays with so much emotion all the time. Yeah, he does. Yeah, it's. But uh, I I look to see the, for the big men to, you know, they gotta keep trending upwards. Mm -hmm. Simon's shot, his three point shot, is it the Simon's of last year? Is it the, the John Simon's we saw against uh, Toledo? Not yet. Here, you know? Not yet. And uh, that's one of the things I think. As Chris Fowler gets better, does Simon's game get better too? Mm -hmm. You know. Yep, that's what I'm thinking. They, those two have played together almost every single game yeah. here at CMU. So those two are really go neck and neck in terms of success and, and, and whatnot. Um, I was at McGurk Arena this morning talking to Keno Davis and some yeah. players. Um, so just some stuff to watch out for in Thursday's paper. We're, we did, we're kind of doing a, a Mythbusters edition with, with Braylon Race, and he always says if he makes that first shot, he knows it's going to be a good day. If he misses it, maybe not so much. So we kind of did a little bit of analysis to see, is he really better on those days where he makes his first shot? And it is a little bit, so we'll, we'll go into the, some of the details on Thursday. Something to watch out for. Something I yeah. noticed, though, at McGurk, I was looking up in the rafters and looking at some of the numbers that were retired, and uh, a couple men's ones, and then there was a banner with two men's ones and then one women's one and That's then right. a square next to it with nothing in it. Empty. Empty. It's, it's got room for somebody. It's got room for somebody. I don't know who that could be. Uh, well, do you have any suggestions? Well, first Andrew? I'm going to point out the only uh, women's basketball player who has her number retired mm -hmm. is Sue Neeson, uh, a Dearborn Divine Child alum. Oh, what do you, how do you know that? Uh, it just so happens <laughs> to the grapevine. Just some random uh, school that yeah, just some no random one knows school. about. Just happens to be my alma mater. <laughs> but... Uh, in 1987-88, she was a freshman All-American here. Um, she was the previous leading scorer here in school history until the young lady from Detroit came by, uh, young Crystal Bradford. Chris, I don't know if I've heard of her. And she was at the game Saturday to watch the women's basketball team mm -hmm. down Akron, 81-60. Uh, 81-60. And she had an interesting thing to, to add on to her last comment. Uh, she wants her number retired. Number 23, and is it? Number 23. Okay. The old Michael Jordan number. <laughs> she thinks her number should be retired. And, uh, I, you know, I've had some people reach out to me. Um, Adam Jackson was one of them. Yeah. There's no debate, really. And yeah. what do you think about that? No debate that her number should be retired? No debate about that. I'm curious. Do You You might not know this. Do you know when Neeson's number was retired, what year it was? I do not know that. I should look that up. Yeah, see if you can find that mm -hmm. online. Because I don't know if I ever remember any athlete in in any sport, their number being retired, like one year out, a year later. I mean, you think ben, ben Wallace had his number retired with the Pistons. It's a little different scenario, but yeah. that was just this past um, a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't remember what year he retired, but really he was here through what 2010, maybe yeah. give or take a few years. But yeah, Ben Wallace. I mean, years. one of the great Detroit Pistons, fear the fro, mm -hmm. uh, iconic. It, it took him six years, and I, I think that's not a bad thing to, no. to wait a couple years. I know NLB, like the Hall of Fame, this is very different, again, apples right. and oranges, but still, I think you have to wait five years, is it, before, um, yeah. after retirement, before kind of voting on that, just to kind of be able to look back at it a little more and see, all right, mm -hmm. is this person, were we just caught up in the hype of it, or is this person really one of the all-time greats in this program? I think in the case of Bradford, that, that is a good thing to look out for and to watch out for, not to jump into just retiring, you know, numbers willy nilly. Yeah, but I mean, I think, they've only retired one though so far. So. Well, I think in the case of Bradford, is that she holds four all-time records here at CMU. 
She was the only CMU basketball, women's basketball player to win uh, MAC Player of the Year. And in that same year, she won Defensive Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. I really don't think that there's any question that she was the most dominant player to come through CMU. Ever? Thinking, thinking, oh, ever. Mm-hmm. And thinking back to the MAC, I, I can't think of another player that, that's really dominated like Crystal Bradford. I didn't get to watch her throughout her whole entire career. I watched her in her, her later years. Mm-hmm. But 2,006 points. That's, I think, 36 more than Sue Neeson had. I think Neeson had 1,800-some. Okay. 36 more than Sue Neeson. Number one in all-time uh, field goals made. Number one in assists. Uh, I mean, her numbers are just through the roof. Mm-hmm. The only women's basketball player, just to keep adding to her resume, All right. the only women's basketball player from CMU to ever even be drafted into the WNBA. Mm-hmm. I mean, she went seventh overall. Yeah, to the Sparks, right? To the Sparks. I think there is no question that the only thing holding her back is just the fact that she's only been out one year. Mm-hmm. I think if she's been out more, the number's already retired. Do you see her WNBA how she does there. Do you think that affects that at all, if her number is retired or not? Maybe she, she just doesn't do anything there. Does that change things? It, you know, that's a good question, too. And it might. Maybe she goes out and tarnishes her reputation. Now, off the court, what kind of person was she here at CMU? If you know it all, if you've heard anything. Yeah, I mean, she had an interesting persona, too. I think most people on campus knew who Crystal Bradford was. Yeah. Even though even though women's basketball doesn't always hold as much clout, maybe people don't know the names as often. But I think people knew Crystal Bradford's name. They saw her when she was at the SAC playing basketball. Um, she had some interesting um, things with, with uh, I think she had a suspension in there. There's a few different things that we won't mm. go into too much. Right. But she, um, I would classify her as a leader. Um, maybe not the Chris Fowler type of leader, mm-hmm. but she's definitely somebody who kind of, she held clout at CMU. Here's a question for you. All right. Comparing Crystal Bradford, her career, to the Uh-oh. career of Chris Fowler. Chris Fowler was a, a freshman captain. Mm-hmm. Now, his numbers might not compare, but you also have to take into consideration uh, the men's game versus the women's game, and that's not to be sexist, but... It gets but dangerous it, when you do that, though. Better is, watch out. It but. is. It's, it's dangerous. <laughs> But the games, they're different. Mm-hmm. Um, the way the game is played is a little bit different. Do you think you, it's comparable to say that Chris Fowler's career had just as much of an impact on this university and the program than Crystal Bradford's? Well, he's not done yet. We'll, we'll see about that. Um, yeah. Maybe a question for later in the season. I think both of them are, are two ma- probably of the best uh, CMU basketball players that this, this university will see. Um, so, I mean, you were privileged to watch them. Yeah. Chris Fowler or Chris Kamen? Chris Kamen. Chris Kamen, yep. He, he, he went to Portland for a while yeah. for the Trailblazers. He was drafted somewhere in the first round. Um, I'm not sure if his numbers is up up in the rafters yet, but it, it mm-hmm. definitely should be. Well, then that, that kind of goes to show you how long it, it does take. You know, Sue Neeson's number was retired in 2001. Mm-hmm. In 2001. That's, oh. that's when it was retired. There we go. So it was yeah. almost more than, like, almost 10 years so after about, she was done. About 10 years. So, I mean... Um, yeah, I think, so to sum it up, I think Crystal Bradford's number should be retired. Yeah. You mentioned all the stats, everything like mm-hmm. that. Even looking at, um, you asked how the team did during that time. They they won a, looks like they have a MAC, look, they, they did really well in the MAC tournament. I'm trying to find exactly. Yeah. Um, last year they lost in the semifinal, but that was after she was already injured. They mm-hmm. won the whole thing in 2013. Uh, 2012, they lost by a point in the final. Um to the, in, so in the MAC championship, yeah. Final. yeah. So they definitely did well with her at the um, leading the team, and she was just she just was somebody you knew when she came in that she was going to do well. Yeah. Um, 
But it, to sum it up, like I said, I, will her number be retired before you and I graduate? Mm, probably not. You could argue for it, but I, I think it might be. She might even retire from the WNBA before they go back and really recognize her and kind of remember her. We'll have to see where that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, if I know Sue kind of laughed at it a little bit when, when you mentioned it in the press yeah. conference. I, she knew exactly who was was talking about, but mm-hmm. yeah. Definitely an interesting story. Speaking of the women's basketball team, could be a potentially big injury. Jewel Cotton went down on Saturday. It wasn't there when it happened, but you were injured. Tell me what the arena felt like at that moment. Well, it was pretty crazy to see how quiet the arena got. I mean, right when that happened, it was you could hear her in agony, really. Right. And it was, kind of, it was terrible to hear because she has had a knee injury, um, a torn ACL last year. Mm, this um, is Jewel Cotton. This is Jewel Cotton. And she's, she struggled with injuries. She was supposed to be one of the go-to guys this year. Um, mm-hmm. And Mac Media Day, Coach Sue was hyping her up with good reason. Yeah. Um, but what happened on the play was it was a fast break. She had two guys surrounding her. Um, Presley Hudson was bringing the ball up. Joel Cotton took the pass from, from uh, Hudson, planted at the free throw line. Both defenders converged on her. Knee got twisted up, kind of a confusing play. Mm-hmm. She went straight to the ground. Yeah. Um, and like I said, it was instant agony, crying. I mean, the quietest I've ever heard McGurk in it with a solid 1,800 fans. Yeah. Um, it was a good crowd that day. Yeah, it's sobering. Um, I think it kind of goes to, to show you that the pe- fans knew how serious that injury was for her. Um, Bradford said, on, on you know, she says, I hope it's not the same knee. Yeah. And I don't think it was. I, this injury is to her right knee. Um, we're not sure how long it's going to keep her out for. Yeah, uh, and we're going to find that out a little more tomorrow, right, I'm yeah. sure. And Tuesday, during uh, basketball practice, we're going to check up on her. I did see her with a crutch today, walking yeah. through McGurk. She didn't look like in a ton of pain. She wasn't even really using the crutch a whole lot. Mm-hmm. But anytime you see a crutch, you have to be concerned right. what that means. I'm not sure when they'll get the results back. So far this year, she's averaging eight points a game, five and a half or 5.8 rebounds. Um, at the beginning of the year, like you said, they were talking her up. She started a lot of the games. Yeah. But now it seems to be more the, the Raina Frost show and the Tanara Moore show. Would you agree? I I think it's a whole, the whole slew of all the the young ones. Um, Youngins. Frost, Moore, but also Hudson and also Breen. Mm-hmm. Um, you could go all day about all of them. If you want to talk about the front court alone, Tanara Moore is I think is having herself an award winning type season. Yeah. I mean she's had, uh, she, she just missed out. She was three rebounds away again. You know, hot in the, in her her last game. Well, that was uh, that was Raina Frost that had the twenty rebounds on well, Saturday. Moore was three rebounds away from her seventh consecutive double-double. Wow. Okay. Her seventh consecutive double-double. The thing about Frost was 20 rebounds? 20 rebounds. 20 rebounds. That's four away from the all-time CMU record, and that's not, un- that's not unusual for her. She does that pretty often. She's had a couple games with, with double-digit with double digit rebounds, 15-plus mm-hmm. um, rebounds. And, uh, you know, Tanara Moore's, when, she, when she's getting covered, when she gets all the attention, mm-hmm. Frost comes in usually pretty consistently to, you know, to get those points and get those rebounds. Because Sue even said, after Tanara went off in her, in her previous game, that she was going to be keyed on for the rest of the season, probably. Mm-hmm. And so Frost is going to have to step up here. She's just a freshman. Um, she has a good build. She, um, she has good size. And she seems to be pretty smart. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much of you, you've been watching or following the women's team, but what do you think about Presley Hudson? Presley Hudson. Well, I, to be honest, when I saw her um, at it was women's media day, we had mm-hmm. some photos and stuff. And she kind of, she was standing next to the rest of the freshmen. You kind of looked at her and were like, oh, man, like, is she going to ever play? She doesn't look like, she doesn't have the build of a, a typical yeah. women's basketball player from uh, multiple different standpoints. Um, she's just, 
it, it didn't look like somebody who you'd think would really dominate. And yeah. then the first game, I forget how many she scored, but it was, I think it was more than 20. And it was. She had more than 50 points in her first two games combined. It and was. All of a sudden, it's like, all right, who is this Presley Hudson girl? Um, and she's just been – she takes it to the rack. She shoots the three-pointers. It's one of the more odd three-point shooting stances that yeah. I've seen, but it works for her. Um, and she, she had a rough stretch. She, she played Ohio and had two chances to win the game against Ohio, and yeah. who was, st- I think, still undefeated in the MAC, if I'm correct. Yeah. And uh, missed them both. One to lay up, one a three-pointer. But I think she's pretty exciting to watch and to know that, hey, she's a freshman, just like Raina Frost. Tonara mm-hmm. Moore is a sophomore. This team looks like they might be able to do something in March. But yeah. don't even think about that. What about next March or the following March? Like, mm-hmm. if you already have this solid foundation of young players, do. it's something Sue said on Saturday was she didn't even really think of Raina Frost as a freshman. She has so many minutes, she's basically a sophomore. That's what she said, yeah. which is, I mean, kind of cool, thinking mm-hmm. that these players are getting so much experience so much early on. Um, like you said, I haven't seen as much of the women's games as you have, but um, is there anything that sticks out to you from with Hudson? When I see Hudson, um, she's – Unexpecting. You don't think that she's going to be able to, to compete, even let let alone lead this team. Yeah. But she's smart. She has a three point eight, uh, three point five grade point average. All right. Um, yeah, she's very smart. She plays the game smart, and there are some inconsistencies in her dribbling. She's a little bit slow. She's a little bit predictable, yeah. and she does slump. She has been in a slump at the three point line. She's literally had a lid on the rim, um, but she still finds a way to get points. She's had fourteen points the other day, which tells me is. She doesn't force anything, but she get her, she gets hers yeah. when the game comes to her, Definitely. and that's beyond it's beyond being eighteen years old. I mean, that's that's the wisdom that comes with being professional. I mean, that's you need it. That's mm-hmm. very serious. Uh, that's a, and she's a floor general. That's what I see in her. Is she's a great floor general. When she isn't scoring, she's getting her teammates opportunities to score. She gets Cassie Breen open, and I think Breen arguably outside of Moore. Breen has been the most consistent offensive player, at least. She comes in and hits at least two three-pointers you know, every single game, at least. Um, she's been 50%, and I think from the three-point range in her last two or three games now. Mm-hmm. She stretches every, everything out. She stretches the defense out and allows those driving lanes and allows those bigs to be able to have space to get, you know, do their post moves. Um, when you have to focus on a shooter, it, it opens the whole offense up. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I agree what you're saying there with with Breen. Is she's not, she's not number twenty three, is she? Uh, I don't. That's a good question. Um, just a quick story. I was. This seems like this team is is able to kind of go off at any time, almost like the men's basketball team. Mm-hmm. So one thing I thought was interesting. I was I was kind of following a little bit on the radio the other day. It was like forty two, forty two. They're going back and forth with Akron. It was great. I went uh, went home, went and took a shower, got back in the car, and Simi was up like 15 points. I'm like, how did that happen? And it just seems yeah. like they're able to, when they are on, they're able to dominate teams like Akron, even though it was at home. Mm-hmm. And that's encouraging to see. So uh, just to wrap up the women's section, what are you thinking? Like, who are, who are the next two opponents, and what are your thoughts on those two teams? Hold on. Let me, let me pull up who they have coming up next here really quickly. So they got a home game, right, on Wednesday. Yes, they are home on Wednesday. Uh, against Northern Illinois, and they have not yet played NIU. Okay. Um, and then they come back. Uh, oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. They are home, home against, Western. against Western. That would be a good one. They're home against Western, and then they have Miami at home. Um, those are two winnable games. 
Western might be a little bit of a challenge. But the interesting thing, I think, with women's is what Jasmine Harris is doing with uh, yeah. the Flint Water uh, crisis. And if you want to explain that, you know it a little bit better than I do. Yeah, so after the game, usually Sugavar always addresses the crowd, thanks them for coming. It's classic. Says, says some of the things that they're working oh, on. great. All these things. And uh, she had a visitor on Saturday. It was quite interesting. Jasmine Harris, uh, she actually gave the, the microphone to Jasmine for a minute. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jasmine talked about the thing they're doing this coming Saturday with, with uh, Flint and water and all those things. So basically, uh, to sum it up, Jasmine said that anyone who brings a case of water to next week's, or next, this Saturday's mm -hmm. home game, so I, the men uh, play, I believe it is Bowling Green. They do. And the women are playing. Western. Western's on Wednesday. Though, Western's on Wednesday and they have Miami, Ohio. Miami on Saturday. Yeah. So anyone who brings a case of water to either of those games, they're going to be able to um, get a voucher into another game for free. But the, the, the key is they're going to donate this water to Flint uh, with their water crisis, which is actually really cool. Sue said that Jasmine just came up to her this past week in practice and right. said, hey, um, even though she's not from Flint, she's from Farmington, which is really kind of crazy. So basically, um, Jasmine came up to Sue said, hey, I – what can we do to give back to these people? We, uh, they're people in need. They're, they're our, their own state. We need right. to help them out. Um, so, Susan, so that's a great we're idea. We're all from the mittens. That's uh, what that's Sue the says. quote. Yeah. We're all from the mitten. So, um, that's kind of what Sue talked to some different people who talked to Dave Heakey, and they decided, yeah, mm -hmm. that's a great idea. Um, let's give back. Let's give to these people of Flint who are in, in need because because they're our brothers and sisters. Right. Um, so it's a really in awesome opportunity, not just that CMU Athletics is doing, but anyone who goes to those games can really be a part of. Um, so, yeah, just a reminder, bring those those water cases this Definitely. Saturday. Um, get, get the voucher to a free men's or women's game in the future. Uh, I, I don't know if you have to pick or what that is, but right. definitely a cool story. Um, and then to, to just kind of top off everything, before we're going to get into football just a little bit real quick, um, but some scores from this past weekend. We have um, gymnastics. They actually topped NIU. They're one of two teams still undefeated in the MAC. Uh, it was a good score, over 195. And then also wrestling, they had a short lead over Michigan, yeah. who's number eight in the country, number but eight. Michigan was able to top them in the end. Um, getting to football, signing day is coming up, February 3rd. It's about a week away. Um, so there's been some interesting recruiting names that are coming out there. Usually you hear these recruits, and they're two mm -hmm. or three stars, maybe one star, and you're like, well, I've never really heard of so-and-so. Of um, but that's not the case this year. We have a quarterback, a wide receiver, and potentially a running back who are fairly high profile. Absolutely. I'm uh, seeing a lot of three stars on this page. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing Leon Page. I think he's someone to watch. He's what position a, is he? He's a strong side defensive end, okay. six foot three, 226 pounds out of Detroit Martin Luther King, who just won a Division II state championship. Okay. Um, I think he's going to be one of the exciting ones to watch. But the but big name's got to be Edwards, right? big name is uh, Edwards. And, and, uh, so assumably, we all know why. Um, so this is Braylon yeah. Edwards' Uh, little brother Bailey is a wide receiver, also yeah. out of Chelsea High School. Chelsea High um, what's School. What's his number? Uh, he's a he's a three star. Three star. He's a three star. He's uh, about six foot one. I think one hundred seventy seven pounds. It says here. Yep. Um, so he announced on Twitter that he would be he signed with, um, or he committed to the Chippewas. Obviously, nothing's official yet until the signing day next Wednesday. But he's coming, and then there's also the potential for his brother to come. Berkeley. And mm -hmm. is he already enrolled here? Or how uh, there is a Berkeley Edwards enrolled okay. at CMU. Haven't confirmed if it's that one, but I don't know how yeah, many Berkeley Edwards him. there are in the world. He played at Minnesota um, the past two years, and he, he played a lot of his freshman year, not so much this past year. Mm -hmm. um, but he uh, is also a runner, so there's a 
there's been rumors he he has transferred away from Minnesota. They haven't said exactly where he is yet, but it looks mm-hmm. like he has come to CMU to join his brother here, which there was um, some speculation about. So there's a chance he could be playing running back, or there's a chance he could be running track at CMU. Both mm-hmm. of them, he seems like an athlete who can do either of them. Well, I'm I'm totally fine with getting a football player that runs track on the Central yeah. Michigan team. I mean, that's 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 great. I mean, they need the athletes. I thought one of the things that they lacked in this year was athletes. Um, do they have athletes that can hit the home run ball? Oh, okay, well, Melo Rice kind of showed us that. Mello Ross, yeah. Ross kind of showed us that a little bit towards the end of the year. Mm-hmm. But I think adding guys like Bailey Edwards, Berkeley, who I'm I'm pretty excited more about Berkeley. I'd like yeah. to see and look into him. That's what exactly the direction that I think Coach Bono wants wants to go. So, yeah, I mean, you you know about Braylon Edwards. You're a Michigan I, fan, I'm right? Diehard. So you know all about what he he meant for Michigan. Yeah. He was one of their – probably would you say he's their best – Top five wide receivers there all the time? Uh, I'm going to say in the 2000s. Okay. In the 2000 decade. He, he was really he, good. He was the best. He was good. He People was know best. his name. Um, so these are his little siblings. I mean, yeah. those are big names. Even um, they're three stars, so they're nothing to, to laugh at, whatever the phrase is. And then the last one is Cooper Rush's protege at Lansing Catholic. That's right. He's coming here. Um, Tony. Tony Poljan. Tony Poljan. He Tony is, Poljan. He's also a also a three star, right? He's a three star. He's a dual threat. Now the thing that I'm excited about him is he is six foot seven, two hundred and thirty five oh pounds. Goodness. That's a big that's a tight end. That's a big boy right there. That's a tight end. That's Gronkowski <laughs> size. Well that actually he was getting recruited as a tight end. With good reason. Mm-hmm. I mean I think if you find now we have a guy um what community college is, is it that we have a quarterback coming He's from? somewhere Kansas, somewhere there. A quarterback a com- did recruit from um or commit from there. So I'm excited to see that competition. They're going to have a year to learn under Coop, um, which I think is great. I think he's, if Cooper takes him under his wing, wing actually, mm-hmm. that's the best thing you can ask can for. Red shirt. He could write red shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of possibilities. I like that Bono is getting big bodies on onto the sideline. I'm looking down here. I'm seeing six foot four, two twenty five, six foot four, two twenty, six foot three. I'm seeing all kinds yeah. of six foot two. I'm seeing size, mm-hmm. and I think that that Bono wants to surround himself. With a big roster, big size. Um, funny story about Bono. We were he was on the recruiting trail. trail. I gave him a phone call, um, asked him what state he was in, how things were going, and the question I asked him, which I thought was a good, tough question, was, Uh-oh. "Do you ever have issues or troubles selling the city of Mount Pleasant?" Okay. It's cold. It's a small little farm town in the middle of nowhere. Uh, it can't necessarily be the most luxurious place to go to, um, but. He, I thought he had a pretty funny answer, and it was, uh, you know, some people like brunettes, some people like blondes, some people like redheads. Uh, if CMU's a blonde, then they like blondes, and that's great. If they like redhead, ah, they, they can go to that redhead. We'll leave them alone. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty funny. He talks about Paulette. Um, Uh-oh. But he's out there recruiting right now. Yeah. And there's yeah. some big names, Paul Jan being one of them. Paul Jan. I mean, they, schools like Michigan State and Oklahoma State recruited this guy as a tight end. He wanted to come as a quarterback, though, so the, I think only Mac schools and maybe another school was recruiting him for that. I mean, mm-hmm. those names lower down, they have the numbers and the stars. We really won't know until what, 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 they play, right? Right. What I just saw what was interesting was LeBryson Dixon, uh, he's an inside linebacker recruit, from IMG Academy, that's the number one high school team in the country. Interesting. Da- down in uh, uh, Brandon, Florida. We have a bunch of Detroit commits uh, from southeast Michigan, but also all over the, the country, and that kind of shows me that Bono d- isn't necessarily focusing on in-state re- recruits. He wants to get the in-state recruits, but I think he's, his uh, 
recruiting plan is, is taking more of a national stance, uh, trying to get these national players. I'm loving what he's doing, in all honesty. Yeah, so we'll find out more February 3rd. Yeah, it, um, they're actually having an event at Hunter's Ale House uh, February 3rd. That's a Wednesday. Looks like it begins at 6 p.m. Bono's going to talk. They're going to talk about the recruits, some of the mm -hmm. highlights from each of them. Uh, fans will have an opportunity to interact with them. So that should be an interesting night. I think there's an RSVP in there. I'm not sure exactly how that works. But uh, it definitely seems like an interesting event. We're kind of looking right. forward to seeing what happens there. So it's not football season, but I guess you could say it's, it's always football, football season. season. Exactly. So that's, that's about it here um, from Maroon and Bold. My name is Taylor DeSormo. I'm the sports editor at Central Michigan Life. I'm Andrew, Andrew Serma. There's Andrew Serma. So we're going to... Uh, we're going to sign off here in a second, but just uh, be sure to pick up the paper Thursday to see what we have. We'll be previewing some of this weekend's matchups. Um, and also, we got another podcast coming up a little later on. We have uh, Evan and Cullen. They're doing a, a podcast about national sports and whatnot. They're going to be talking about the NFC championship game and AFC championship games, yeah. all that stuff. Some so good stuff coming from There's there. some funny guys. Evan's a yeah. funny guy. So, so tune into that good as guys. well. Um, so that's about it here for Maroon and Bold. Uh, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you later.